Okay, today is Mother's Day, right? So all, all the mothers, if you're an expectant mother, if you're an old mother, if, if you're a mother, older, older, look, okay. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're a mother who's maybe your children aren't here anymore, maybe you're an empty nesting mother, if you're a mother at all, just go ahead and stand up, even if you're expectant. I know there's some in here. Let's, let's give them a hand. Beautiful. And if you're Helen, you're just absolutely gorgeous. You're a gorgeous old mother. Yeah. She's a great, great grandmother. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So I have some kids that are going to come up and help me with something. Stay standing. If you're a mother, stay standing. Where's my kids at? They're all bailing on me. Pierce kids, my kids. Come here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Kids, Sean Kerrigan. I need all the kids. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. Mothers, we have a gift for you. We have a flower for you this morning. So stay standing until you get a flower. And then once you get one, go ahead and sit down so we know who hasn't got one. All right? So guys, just start taking flowers. And if you see a mother standing, make sure she gets one. You can take a few because there's quite a few moms standing up. You guys are awesome. And I think we're going to have enough. So we'll have some extras. And um, I'll probably give them to my wife. So, all right, take them. And you guys, keep, keep giving them out until all the moms have one. All right. <laughs> While they're doing that, um, I, I do want to mention uh, something. Um, I realize that we may have some people here this morning um, who, who have mothers who are no longer with us. Maybe they've, um, they've passed away. Or maybe some of you have a mother who's just not present in your life. Um, this day can be can be a painful day for some people in those situations. So we just want to recognize that this morning. And as we pray over these women, uh, we're going to pray for you as well. And whatever the situation is uh, with your life, if that's you, we, we do want to recognize you um, and, uh, and your mothers. So you guys are doing fantastic. We're getting there. We got a lot, we got some, a lot of moms standing up over here still. Yep. Take, hey, take a couple at a time. You can take like three or four with you. Yep. Eli, go over there and give it to somebody. That's my son, so I can tell him what to do like that. Okay. We're getting close. Here, I'm going to help out so we can get so we can get going. Oh, we're good. Right here. All right. You guys are great. I hope you guys like these flowers. They'll probably die by midday. Um, but <laughs> what can I say? Here you go, Lee. That's for you, just because I love you. All right. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks. I think everybody's got one. If you, have you not got one? Raise your hand if you've not got one. Everybody's got one. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You can take, that's for your mom. You can, she can have an extra. Thanks, buddy. Okay, kids, you are dismissed. You can, get, you can now go up to Children's Church and be blessed. Go faster than it took you to hand out flowers. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. We love you guys. All right. If you're a college graduate, if you graduated yesterday, go ahead and stand up. I know we got several in here. We kind of last week. In fact, stand up and come up. Come up front here. Awesome. We have a, we have a few more that I think weren't able to make it. We had Austin Adams uh, came to our first service. 
We got to honor him. We want to we wanna also um, pray over you guys. So we're just going to do a big combined prayer for our mothers and for our graduates. Uh, we have a gift for you guys. And you can come pick out what you want. Uh, we have an ESV Bible for you. You can also take a flower because we have a lot left over. But there's some kind of girly ones and some kind of dude-ish ones. And there's all kinds. So go ahead and feel free to pick out whatever Bible you want. But before we do that, uh, we're going we're gonna to pray over these guys. And we're going to pray over our mothers. And, uh, and we're proud of you guys. And for those of you who are going to take off next year, we're going we're gonna to miss you a ton. So, um, so let's pray this morning over all these guys. God, thank you so much uh, for today. Thank you uh, for this time that we just get to be together. God, all is one, um, lifting up your name, God, and, and singing praises to you and, um, and recognizing our beautiful mothers, God, and, and these college students who have worked so hard um, to get to this point, God, to graduate and then to kind of get on with their lives and, and what they're going to be doing. Lord, um, I want to pray especially this morning for, for those here who have mothers that, that have gone before or mothers who aren't present. God, I, I pray for an overwhelming sense of peace for them today. Day, on this day that we're celebrating our mothers, um, to know that God, that maybe maybe if their mothers aren't here in the physical God, um, that you are a perfect, loving, good Father, and that you uh, you love us, God, and, and we can confide under the shadow of your wings, God. And so, whatever the situation is in, in, in some of those lives, God, that you would just overwhelm that with love today. And for the mothers who are here, God, thank you so much for for all the times that they were there for us, God, that they prayed for us. Um, maybe even some of the times they worried for us. Um, but God, we just we just love them so much. Um, we, we just dedicate and give this day to you for our mothers, for our graduates, and we're just so joyful and happy to be here. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So grab a Bible, and then you guys can have a seat. So there's, take your time picking, picking through. There's all kinds of really cool ones. And I signed them all. Just kidding, I didn't. <laughs> and that is from Tim, not me. Okay. So, so for those of you who, who are visitors with us this morning, or maybe you missed last week, um, we are in a series called The Rolling Stone. And so I'm just going to give you kind of a quick recap of what the last couple of weeks have looked like uh, before we continue. Uh, Tom is gone today, uh, actually seeing, um, getting to be with his boy, Tommy, as he actually graduates also from Wheaton in Chicago. So we're super happy for them. Yeah, I know some of you are like, Already? Wow. So um, anyway, they're there, and, uh, and so he's, he's, he's enjoying that time with his family. Um, week one was Easter week for us, and we looked at the events surrounding the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, and it was on Easter Sunday. And so then we also talked about um, how, how Jesus, this stone roller, is still in the business of rolling away stones of all kinds in our lives. And then last week, uh, the title was... Um, was rolling away the stone of a painful past. And we examined um, the account in Mark 5, where there was a demon-possessed man and how Jesus came and he restored him. And then we also heard a video testimony from Josh Pierce, one of our elders, about, about his story um, of his past, an addictive and painful past, and how God took that and radically changed his life um, and his marriage and, and, and his whole family. Um, and so today, we are talking about rolling away the stone of fear, worry, and anxiety. And so to start off, I did a little bit of research that I think maybe you'll find interesting. I've, I researched the top 10 things that people fear the most, okay? And, and so to start off, this one, this should be number one for me. Number 10, the fear of vomiting. Is that anybody? Apparently this morning, my son threw up like five times on the way from Canyon City on the river road. So uh, that's, that's my fear. Um, number nine, the fear of confined spaces, claustrophobia. Number eight, the fear of open spaces. 
Number seven, brontophobia, which is the fear of storms. Remember that one because we're going to mention it again a little bit later today. Number six, public speaking. Uh, that's me a little bit, so this is weird. Um, <clears throat> number five, flying in an airplane, aerophobia. Number four, the fear of heights. Number three, the fear of death. Number two, the fear of rats. And number one, who's seen the movie Arachnophobia? Yep, the fear of spiders. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, most women tend to fear abandonment, and most men tend to fear failure. Just a couple of facts there for you. So here's my question this morning as we move on. What, what do you fear? Uh, what are your worries? What are your anxieties? Maybe for some of you, you don't fear. Maybe you're fearless and firm in who you are in Christ, like Benaniah. Benaniah, in 2 Samuel, Benaniah was, was the general of the Israeli armies under King David. He was King David's chief bodyguard, and he's also one of the mighty men of David. And he was renowned for his heroism, and, and, and it was said in 2 Samuel that he once went down into a snowy pit on a snowy day by himself just to slay a lion. Or maybe for some of you, you're freaking out all the time. Maybe for some of you, you're like Peter. Okay, and, and, and Peter's in the boat, and he sees Jesus out walking on the water, and he goes, Jesus, let me come to you. And so Jesus holds his hand out, and, and Peter actually for a moment gets out and is actually walking on water. And then what happens? Fear sets in. Doubt sets in, and he begins to sink. All, all because of fear and worry and doubt. And even though Peter was on the water pursuing Jesus himself, he still was fearful for his life. The Bible has a lot to say about fear and worry and anxiety. And so I'm going to, I want to go through and read a few. There's a whole lot, um, but we're going to, we're going to limit it to just three this morning um, that I want to read through. And, and cause some of this stuff has some really good stuff to say. Okay. So the first one, we're going to be in first Peter five, six through seven, and we're going to put it up here. You can follow along if you like, um, but I'm actually going to read it here. It says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The next one is Matthew 6, 25 through 34. This one's kind of long, so bear with me, but many of you will know this one. It's really good. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes, clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious about anything. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will, therefore, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And then our last one this morning is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so show of hands, in honor of Mother's Day, how many of you growing up had to suffer through the worry of your mother? How many people? See, for me, okay, here you go. So for me, Anytime I'd want to leave the house, I got the token parental discussion, why I should be safe, how I should be safe. And then even today, really, my mother always has to have, I love you, mom, but she's always got to have the last word. Okay, so we'll, be, we'll be on the phone. She's like, okay, be careful. I'm like, okay, I'll, I love you. I'll tell you later. Okay, be careful. And I'm like, love you. Be careful. Look, look, be careful. <laughs> oh, man. And it used to get to me so much, and it used to really, really annoy me. In fact, I have this... Um, I have this picture. I'm going to, she hasn't seen this, so this is kind of weird. Um, I found the perfect Mother's Day card from my mother. And, and it's got, if you can't see this, it's got a picture of a mom in a car, okay? And she's got her hand covering her, her child like a seatbelt. And the card says, Happy Mother's Day to Mom, the original seatbelt. That was so me. We'd be like coming into town from towards the lake to that first light there by the old A&W. And like the, the light would turn yellow by Western Lumber, and she'd be slamming the brakes on it, going like this, and keeping me to make sure that I was safe. That's my mom. I love you. Here's your, car. Here's your, here's your Mother's Day card. Uh, <laughs> uh, used to annoy me a lot until I had my own kids. I get it. I get it now. I get it. You <laughs> see... Worry and fear are very strong feelings that everybody endures. Uh, but God's heart for us is to find faithfulness and refuge in him as he rolls away the stones of anxiety that the enemy tries to deceive us with. In his, in his book, Confessions of a Pastor, um, Craig Groeschel, who's a pastor at Life Church in Oklahoma, which is a large, primarily across the Midwest, uh, a large church of, of multi-campus, and they feed in the sermon via satellite. Uh, in, his, in his book, Confessions of a Pastor, he has this to say about the issue. He says, fear and worry are a lot like a scarecrow. What harm can a scarecrow do? We scarecrow constructors know that the answer is none, but the birds don't know that. You're smarter than a bird, though, and that's why the prophet Jeremiah says that some of the enemy's greatest threats are like a scarecrow in a melon patch. Do not fear them. They can do no harm. Jeremiah 10, 5, and 6 says, uh, then he refocuses our attention where it belongs, and he says, no one is like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. Now, if those blackbirds ever figured out our strategy, they'd realize that a scarecrow is actually a tip-off to the best location of the corn in the field. So isn't it possible that the very fears that the enemy tries to plant in your mind are unwitting advertisement for God's good stuff? It's like a danger sign on God's cookie jar. Worry keeps you from God's best, so take your mind off the what-ifs that grow out of fear. We're going to pray uh, this morning, and then, and then after that, we're going we're gonna to go in and we're going to kind of look at a story um, in, in Mark. We're going to stay in Mark this week, but we're going to rewind a little bit to chapter 4. Um, so let's pray and then, uh, and then we'll get rolling with that. God, thank you so much um, for this morning. Thank you for being a God who loves us desperately and passionately and has our best in mind and is a sovereign God who knows what we need and takes care of us. God, I pray this morning that you would remove um, fear and worry and anxiety from our, from our hearts and from our minds, God, to rely on you and know that you are a God who is more than enough for us.
God, I ask that you would just be here this morning, that you would move, that you would stir our hearts, that your words would get through, only your words, God, that you would speak boldly this morning. We love you, and we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so while you're getting there, it's Mark 4, 35 through 41. Um, we're going to kind of go through verse by verse here in a few minutes. So while you're turning to Mark 4, uh, I'm going to just kind of sum up what's going on here in this story, and then we'll kind of go back and unpack it a little bit. Okay, so Jesus has been in, with the multitudes, a huge crowd of people, um, for a pretty significant amount of time. And he's preaching, and this is primarily the part where we see where, where he's preaching primarily um, in parables. And so he's doing all the parables, and he's doing a lot of healing, and people are coming forward to be healed and to hear more, and they just can't get enough of him. And so he keeps going and keeps going. And what, what's happening in this story um, is it gets to be evening time, and Jesus starts to get a little bit tired. Um, and so he says to the disciples, hey, Let's hop in a boat and let's go to the other side of the lake. Now, this lake that we're talking about is actually the Sea of Galilee. It's a pretty big lake. It's not like Blue Mesa. Okay, so we're talking about the Sea of Galilee. It's huge. It's, it's like a sea, okay, uh, even though they call it a lake. And so they hop in a boat, and we're going to read here in a few minutes, and it says there were other smaller boats that went with them. And if you're curious what's that, what that's all about, basically, um, from what we can tell, it's talking about um, these people that couldn't get enough of Jesus, and they wanted more healings, and they wanted, they wanted more stories. And so they hop in their boats, too, too to try to go out and try to find them. No, Jesus, don't go yet. And so, um, so they get out there, and they kind of get past these boats, and they're out in the middle, and it starts to get dark, and Jesus is tired, and so he lays down in the stern of the boat. And so it says that he lays down on a cushion. I kind of envision like a Snuggie or something like that. Okay, and so Jesus is tired, so he lays down with his Snuggie. That's, this is my interpretation. In the stern of the boat, and he falls asleep. And so soon what happens after that is um, the wind kind of picks up and it starts howling and the waves are just raging and they're going crazy. And it says that the waves are coming over into the boat and it's overwhelming the boat. Now you got a couple guys in this boat with Jesus who previous to being called as disciples were fishermen as a, as a livelihood. And so there's not a lot that these guys probably hadn't seen at sea. But even still, they just like froze and they're like, oh man. What are we going to do? And so they go and they wake Jesus up and, and they're frantic. And I got to imagine them probably waking him up somewhat abruptly. Jesus, Jesus, do you not care that we're perishing? Wake up. Look what's going on. And I, and I just imagine, I kind of, as I've been reading through the story this week, I kind of imagine Jesus just kind of like waking up and like peeling off his Snuggie and just kind of like looking around to kind of see what's going on and going, Oh, goodness. And, and like stands up, and he's kind, of, you know, he's kind of wobbling, and he makes his way to the center of the boat, and he grabs onto the mast, and he stands there. And he just looks around, and like that, peace, be still. And in an instant, the waves stop, and the wind stops, and everything is still, and everything is calm, except for these men who are standing in the boat. Because je then Jesus turns, and he looks at them, and he says, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? This is an important question because as far as we can tell, at this point, uh, they're probably about a year to a year and a half into Jesus' ministry. So they've been with him for a good amount of time. They've seen miracle after miracle performed, even that day, that very day. And these are guys who are in the boat with Jesus, freaking out because they still have so little faith. And so then I got to imagine these guys just standing there like, okay, this is awkward. Everything's... 
chill now, but I'm freaking out still. And in fact, it says, and their hearts were, were full of a great fear. But their fear turned from, oh, my life is in, is in check from the elements to, who is this man who's standing here? And he says, peace be still as much to the waves and to the wind as he's saying it to my heart. As we dig a little bit deeper into the story, I want you to ask yourself this question and just kind of keep this in the back of your mind this morning as we continue. And here's the question. Is it enough? Is it enough that Jesus is just in the boat? Is that enough? For, the, for these guys, for these disciples, is it, for you, is it enough that Jesus is in the boat? See, because for me at one point in my life, it, it was not. My wife and I um, lived in Missouri for about five years, and we served at a church in Joplin. And um, we, we had come on staff, and, you know, we were, we were on full-time staff, and I was doing worship. It was a multi-site campus as well, and, and I was leading worship at one of the campuses, and they brought me on um, at, at, for, for Missouri. It was, it was, a, it was a decent um, pay package, and, and everything was good, and, and we bought a house. It was our first house that we bought, and we, we planted and planned on being there for, for a good while, and they made us think that, man, yeah, you're our guy. We want you on staff for a while, so we buy a house and all this, and so then they come to me uh, in December of 2008, and they say, hey, things are tough. We're starting too many campuses and things, and financially, it's just tough, so we're going uh, to have to cut you back to part-time, um, we just had Eli at the time, too, so we had two kids at this point. Um, one still in diapers. That's important to note um, because those are expensive. Um, and so they come to us. They're like, hey, um, you know, we'll give you three months. You, you got until March, um, but, but we got to cut you back to, to part-time. And actually, it was a little bit less um, if you did the math. And so I'm sitting here going, man, what, what happened? Because... I thought I was your guy. We bought a house. We have kids, and I have a family to take care of. What was the number one fear of men? The fear of failure? That was me, and it set in. And I started to fear for that, for the failure, and I started to fear, how am I going to take care of my family part-time and then driving a bus in the morning? It's not going to happen. Even in, in you know, Hickville, Missouri, it's not going to happen. Um, and so, so I was like, okay, Guys, well, I've got to be honest with you. I, I, I've got to explore some other options because that, that's not going to work for us. And so what I did is I began this process of trying to make my own plans. And so I came up with this nice resume, and I had them record me leading worship and doctor it up so I sounded good. And um, I start sending my resume out. I probably sent out 40 um, to different churches all over. I got on, online. There's different ministry resources to find a job, at, you know, for pastors and all this. And so I start sending out these resumes, and I'd get a phone call here and a phone call there, maybe the first or second step in the process. But then I'd always get the same call back. Hey, um, yeah, we, we like you. You look good, but we're, we're just going to go a different direction. That's their way of saying, you suck. Um, and so I got, I got a lot of those calls back. And so I'm just like, man, God, what's going on? Like, I'm so frustrated with this. I'm trying to take care of my family. I'm trying to find something, and nothing's working. Really? 40 churches out there don't want me? And, and I had this, and it was just, I was a mess. I was an absolute mess. And worry set in, and fear set in, because I didn't know what I was going to do. And so one morning, I'm driving my little school bus, and it's early. And um, thank goodness it's before I picked up any kids, because what happened next is really weird. Um, so I'm, listen, I'm all for being honest, being open when, when I'm, communicating with God. When I'm praying, you know, you don't have to put on this kind of fake front like, oh Lord, everything's good, but you know, I could, this could be better. I was, 
I was completely transparent and I was yelling and I was angry. I was like, God, what do you want me to do? I've tried and tried and tried. I've sent out resume after resume. I've got stupid phone calls back and everything's falling through. I got a family. We just had another kid. Diapers are $800 a package. What, what do you want for me, God? What do you want me to do? And like that, peace, be still. There's very few times in my life um, where I felt God speak to me so, um, so clearly. And I'm not saying it was audible, but you just know that God is just like, chill out. He's like, peace, be still. You want to know what I want you to do, Ryan? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's what I want you to do. Trust in the Lord your God with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. In all of your ways. Not just when things are good and you just bought a house and you're going to Hobby Lobby to buy all the decorations for it and you just got a really nice job in the ministry and they're paying you this or paying you that. Not just when things are bad, when you find out you're going to lose your job and you don't know how you're going to support your family and they tell you that your kid might be retarded. Not just when things are bad. Not just when things are good. All the time. In all of your ways, acknowledge me and I will make your path straight continuously. What an incredible promise. And so I sat there, and at this point, I'm just, like, crying. And I'm, like, tearing up, and I'm still driving. So I'm, like, oh, man, I better pull over. And so I pull over. I'm like, I don't care if these kids are late. And I just sit there, and I'm just, like, God, wow. Duh. I know this. I know that verse. I mean, I hadn't ever, like, intentionally memorized it for anything in my life. And he just brings it to the forefront of my mind. In a moment when I needed an answer, God spoke boldly to me. Just acknowledge me, dude. It's not your family anyway. You just get them on loan, which is good because those boys are crazy sometimes. I love them. But... And so I just sat there and I'm like, God, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to acknowledge you. I'm just going to chase after you and let you take care of this family and let you make my plans because I stink at it. And so what happens is I make that my project. I actually came up with a cool little logo. It says Project 356. It stands for Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I have this little logo on my computer and on the background of my phone. And I have three alerts that go off three times a day, like 9, noon, and 5 or something like that. This is Project 356, just to keep me mindful because it's always good to have a reminder. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. And so what happened next because we had our house on the market, too. We put our house on the market, just trusting in God to, like, work all the timing out. And so the first church that actually made initial contact with me was Bethany. And, um, and so I started talking to Bethany, and over a process of, of two to three months, uh, we came out and visited and everything. And, and we got back, and they said, hey, you'll hear from us next Wednesday. And up to that point, we had nobody come look at our house. And um, it had been on the market for, for a few months at that point as well. And so Bethany calls, and they said, hey, we, we think you're our guy. Um, we love the time when you're out here visiting, and, and we think you're it. We want you to come on staff. And I was like, heck, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. I don't even got to pray because I've been doing that. Um, and so, so we get this job. The next day, our landlord, or not landlord, our, our realtor calls us and says, hey, I got a guy that wants to look at your house. I was like, well, it's the first one, so awesome. So he comes to our house, and we get lost. We go to Chick-fil-A. Oh, how I miss Chick-fil-A. And so we come back, and not 20 minutes after he had left, she calls me back. She's like, hey, this guy's making an offer. 
but she should probably make a counteroffer. I was like, okay, awesome. So what does that look like? So we make a counteroffer. He goes back, and, and, and we agree to it, and everything is good, and we sell the house a day after we, we got the job. And I'm just sitting there like, all right, God. You know, we, we say a lot here. We pray all the time. God, we just want you to show up and show off. Man, there's been a few times in my life I've seen it that clearly, and that was absolutely incredible. We're going to back up. Um, so we're going to uh, go back to Mark 4, and we're just going to start in 35, and we're just going to kind of pick this apart a little bit. And I want you to keep that question in the back of your mind that I answered you. So we're going to be 35 through 37 right now. So here's what's going on. If you bring that up for me, Ryan. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. When have you been in a violent storm? Sickness, financial difficulty, crumbling relationships? Are you getting swamped? I imagine college students, for some of you this last week, that represents it pretty well. Feeling swamped, feeling like you're under. When have you been through something like that? Do any of you suffer from brontophobia, the fear of storms? Is it enough that Jesus is in the boat? We're going to go on to uh, verse 38 here. But he was in the stern asleep, this snuggie, on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Have you ever felt like God is asleep or ignoring you? Is it enough that Jesus is in the boat? Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? When does it ever seem like Jesus doesn't care? All right, pull up John 3.16. We're all going to read it together. All right, here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God's will, Jesus' ultimate desire is that none of us perish but have everlasting life. It's why he sent Jesus, his son, as the ultimate sacrifice, to take the sin and the pain of the world on his shoulders and take it to the cross. And then to raise again three days later. We celebrated it two weeks ago. That's Jesus' desire. So when does it ever seem like he wouldn't want us to perish? We're going to go on to verse 39 now. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Peace, be still. The winds and the waves obeyed Jesus, and if he can command them to do that, can he not then command the problems, the worries, the fears of your life to be still? Is it enough that Jesus is in the boat? Verse 40. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Faith chases away fear. If we knew Jesus better, his nearness, his love, his power, our fears would evaporate and be replaced with faith. Is it enough that Jesus is in the boat? In verse 41, finally, and they were filled with great fear. This is after he calmed the storm. 
They were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea would obey him? See, because their fear turned, not from fearing for their lives because of the elements that had kicked up, but because they were looking in, this, in the face of this man who at his very word, the wind hung on his lips and the waves hung on his lips and they were stilled and they ceased. Who is this? He is the creator, the rescuer, the sovereign God, the stone roller. This is Jesus. And he was in the boat with them. Is it enough that Jesus was in the boat? Jesus is in the boat with you through the storms. So do not be afraid, but draw near to him. And it will absolutely be more than enough. Last week, um, as I mentioned earlier, we, we had an opportunity to hear from one of our elders, uh, his testimony through video, uh, and, it was, and it, was an amazing, um, it was an amazing example of how God can take a painful past and radically change that. And so today, um, we have another video to share with you. Uh, it's a woman who's, who's very dear to me, and it's my mother, and uh, she's been through an incredible deal of... Um, of stress and, and, and medical issues and different things in her life over the course of the last several months. And so I'm going to let her share that with you. Um, but uh, I, I just want you to watch this and, um, and, and be still. Hi, I'm Lynn McBride. I'm Ryan's mom. Um, and I live in Canyon City, Colorado with my husband, John. Um, Ryan asked me to share a few things with you today about some um, things I've been going through the last few months, which have been very trying for me. Last December 2010, about the first part of December, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and was realized that I had to have surgery for that. Um, normally, this kind of breast cancer, since it had not spread, the treatment is to remove the tumor with a little tissue around it and then do several re weeks of radiation. But because I have a disease called lupus, the doctors decided that it would be too dangerous to do the radiation, so um, they couldn't do that. And because of that, they had to do a much more drastic surgery. They had to take out a whole big bunch of, of tissue. Um, and because of that, they had to do both sides, so the whole thing was just much more drastic. So I was at home recuperating from that quite well. Um, March 9th, I had to go into the hospital again and have my... Uh, gallbladder removed and came home was recuperating from that two days later I got a horrible rash all over my whole abdomen and, and it particularly was worse in the incision areas from the gallbladder surgery and itched so bad that it was I was miserable from it and then on March 28th um, I noticed that my left leg was quite swollen and it was so swollen it just kept getting worse it was so swollen that it felt like the skin was just going to stretch and just burst open. And it was discolored. It was a reddish purple. And it hurt so bad that I got to the point after a couple days I couldn't even walk. So my husband took me to the emergency room here. And we found out that I have a huge blood clot in my left leg. Um, probably a result of having two major surgeries and lots of time in bed resting up. Um, and also from the lupus, there's a factor in my blood that causes blood, can cause blood clotting. Um, I always thought that a blood clot was just like a little thing in your vein somewhere. But they discovered that this one is one blood clot and it's about this long. It goes from my groin to my knee. 
and they said it was quite serious, so I was admitted to the hospital. I was in the hospital for a couple of days, and they were giving me shots in my belly um, of heparin and Coumadin pills to get the blood thinned um, to start getting this clot to dissolve. And then I was sent home with 10 lovely syringes of injection that I had to inject myself every morning and every night, twice a day for five days, and continue the Coumadin by mouth. Well, it turned out that they couldn't get the Coumadin levels really where they wanted them, and my leg was not getting better. So after several weeks of trying to get things going um, and working for this blood clot, my doctor sent me to a specialist in Colorado Springs um, who is a hematologist, and actually she's my oncologist for the cancer as well. So um, she decided the Coumadin was not doing what it needed to do and she put me on a new medication that I'm happy to say is working very well. During this time, um, something happened that I wasn't expecting, and I didn't know how to deal with it. It really threw me. Um, I'm a happy, upbeat person, and all of a sudden I was feeling really down in the dumps, and I was very emotional, and I just didn't know what to do. and. I was panicking, I was very fearful, it was a very dark time. I've never had such a dark time in my whole life as that. Um, so I just started praying every day and I started uh, reading scripture and I just, the there was one day that was the darkest day and I didn't even know how to pray anymore for myself. And so I just kept saying, please God, please God, because I knew that God knew what I needed. So I decided to start reading in Psalm because I knew that David had all kinds of problems and I just started at the beginning of the book of Psalm. And when I came to chapter 4, verse 1, it jumped out at me. And I just want to read what it says. It says, Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. And I went back in and wrote in where it says, give me relief from my distress. I wrote in my Bible and anxiety and panic um, because I was experiencing those things. And I decided that every time I started feeling that way, this was going to be my prayer. Answer me when I call to you, oh my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress and anxiety and panic. And God just rolled away that stone for me and took it away. And now I'm feeling really good about things. May 10th, um, 2008, we were still living in Missouri, and uh, there was a family, the Roundtree family, that, that um, my wife and I had, had come really close to. Rick, uh, the father, he, he led worship. He was an interim worship pastor at one of our campuses, and his wife, Kathy, was part of the creative team uh, there, and their son, Clayton, was a, was a junior high superstar swimmer. And their daughter, Callie, she, she served on the worship team with me. And she sang a uh, beautiful voice. And, and so May 10th, uh, the anniversary is coming up in two days um, of this event. Callie is, is with me uh, at our Saturday night service um, at the church. And, and we're rehearsing and we're going through our songs and preparing for the service. And, uh, and, and the, 
the storm sirens start going off, the tornado sirens. And so, so everybody, everybody goes down underneath our church. There's a, a large storm shelter, and we're down there. And there's children there already because they, they do children's ministry stuff a little bit earlier leading up to that service. So there's these children down there. And here's Callie, this young girl. She's just early college age at that point. And she's down there with these children, and she's comforting them because many of them are pretty upset. Maybe their parents dropped them off and they gone, and so they didn't, didn't have a, a, a parent there with them. And these children are, are crying, and they're worried, and they're scared because the tornado sirens are going off. Um, and so Kelly's down there, and, and you can just look, and she's just huddled around with, with this small group of children, just loving on them and being mom and comforting them. And what Kelly didn't realize <clears throat> is that as she was um, comforting these children and, and telling them, don't worry, don't, don't be afraid, we'll be, we're going to be okay. God is in control. God is here now with us. What she didn't realize is about 25 miles south, um, her family was on a way to a wedding. And her mother, her father, her brother, and her grandmother were killed in a tornado. Um... Kelly asked me to do uh, to sing "Praise You in the Storm" at the funeral by Casting Crowns, and this extraordinary girl also asked me if then after that song we would just go into a time of worship and celebration. And so, as we're rehearsing this morning of the funeral, and the funeral instructor starts rolling in these four caskets, I'm overwhelmed with fear and worry and anxiety for Callie and brokenness. And I was just like, man, I just, we just stopped. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me. And so we did the song and then we started doing the worship set uh, as a celebration for their life. And, um, and Callie just shoots up out of her chair and she throws her hands in the air in abandonment and worship, and she's just praising God. Because here is an outstanding woman of God who understands this. God is in control of my life. I need not fear or worry that I'm going to be taken care of because I know there's more people here still who love me. I know I'm going to be okay. And you know what she did on the heels of this funeral? Just two weeks later, she went to her parents' home for the first time, and she went through their closets And she gathered all their clothes and she went through her brother's closet and she gathered all of his clothes and she made an independent missions trip down to Central America and she gave their clothes away to the people who had none. The people who were worrying about how they were going to clothe themselves. Here's a girl who just lost everything but knew in Christ she had everything. And through all that, she found it enough that Jesus was in the boat. This morning, we're going to have an opportunity to respond. And so um, Eric and Kathy are going to come, and I've asked them to do a song this morning. Um, And as we respond, I want to invite you. The last few weeks of this series, we've done a couple things. We have this large stone that is not real, but it looks kind of like it. Um, We have this stone up here that's representing... um, the stones that Jesus is rolling away in our lives. The first week, last week, um, the fear of a painful past. The first week, it was our initials. This week, I want to invite you all during this response time to come. I want everybody to, to come and bring your fear and lay it down at the foot of the cross and give it up because God's got it. It's under control.
You need not worry about your lives. So come, and, and we have markers here on either side. We have a different color each week, so we got green this week. It looks really pretty on this rock. Just come and just write your fear, and just let it go. So I want to invite you to do that during this time. Also, we have our prayer board um, back here in the back. If you, if you have a prayer uh, request that you need something you need prayer for, feel free to write it down on a card, stick it up there. We have people that come in throughout that we can pray for you guys. I want you to know that. Um, or if you would like to go back there and, and pray um, for some of those people who have posted on the board as well. I'm going to be up here. Um, I'd be more than happy to pray with you or talk with you if God is stirring your heart this morning. Um, but this is an incredible time to respond. So I want you guys just to, um, just to kind of zero in now on God's heart and, uh, and take faith in him. Till on that cross as Jesus died